Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. We do have some visitors with us and we'd like to again welcome you. It is our pleasure to have you here and we hope that you benefit greatly from having worshiped with us this morning. Mary and I went to the ball game last night, to the Oriole game, but before we went, I was entertaining Mary just a little bit with some humors that I found on, on the internet about churches and one of them stuck with me a little bit and I thought I would share it with you. Turns there was an epitaph at a cemetery in England. I found this a little bit humorous but somewhat enlightening. And it read, remember man as you walk by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, <clears throat> so you shall be. Remember this and follow me. To which somebody replied in writing on the tombstone, to follow you I'll not consent until I know which way you went. <laughs> and as funny as that is, it is rather enlightening is to watch who you follow and where they're headed because you may or may not want to end up at the same place they end up. Anyway, our, our, our text this morning is entitled The Christian Connection. I'd like us to consider our church family, us as individuals, and how we bring those two together. Luke read from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. If you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll be beginning with verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. <clears throat> it, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where was the smelling? But now God has set members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely, uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care, one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or if one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. These are the basics that we've read about over our Christian lives for many, many years, and we all have that very simple understanding. But I believe sometimes we need to be refreshed on these basic ideas 
and make application in our current lives so that we stay fresh, so that we continue to stay in fellowship with Jesus and with one another. In Christianity, there is one body, but there are many different functions. We all have different talents. He's blessed us all differently. Some people are preachers, givers, singers, advice givers, counselors, prayer warriors, etc. Some of us are a little older in the faith. Some of us are young in the faith. Some a little more bolder, some a little more meek, some a little more wiser, some not so much. We all have varying levels of skills, talents, and faith. We have different abilities, but our main goal as Christians, as individuals, our main goal is serving God together in the advancement of his kingdom. We need to do that as individuals, and we need to do that collectively as a body. God's people should be active in their Christian service toward each other, as well as toward the congregation. Not out of obligation or duty, although they may be implied in different scriptures, but for the love from the heart, a willingness, and a desire to serve. John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And I suggest to you that that love isn't just the affection, because I love you all dearly, and I hope you feel the same way. But just beyond that emotion, love enough to do what is necessary to build one another and to lift each other in our spiritual lives each day, both individually and congregationally. Our working together and among the activities we are to be involved in is together work, is what I'll use for the term. Together work with other Christians on an individual and on a congregational level. Our working together as a collective body here at Annapolis is essential to the well-being of the church and as individuals. We all need to understand the importance of this collective work that we share together. The importance of it, the need for it, and the benefits of it. For it's just not work. Sometimes we look at work as something challenging, difficult, something we don't want to do. But I believe we should look at it more so as working together to accomplish that single goal in serving God and Jesus Christ. And making the best of it and enjoying it sharing one with another. Sometimes we tend to withdraw ourselves from the church and have a, what I'll call like a solo Christianity where I have my relationship with God and, and I have some brethren, one in particular I work with who's a brother in Christ who's left the church. And when I spoke to him about it, as I see him almost two or three times a week at work, I say, how can you do this? How can you leave the church like it? He says, well, I have my relationship with God, and I know where I stand, and I know what I'm doing. When you withdraw yourself, that creates a multitude of deficits in your relationship with the church and with God himself. But rather than have what we describe as that solo Christianity where some have the concept which results in minimal involvement with the congregation, which they're a part, that independent Christian could also find himself isolated from God. 
They speak, and sometimes the members that are still active will speak in ways like what they or what the congregation is doing over there, down there. I'd like us to consider what we as a church, what we as a body are doing together to serve God and approach it from that perspective. Consider this. Scriptures teach in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for a man to be alone. I believe that to be a very good concept. First, because God said it. And second, because of the value of that statement. He was talking about marriage. That's when he created Eve from Adam's rib. But let me suggest this to you. I believe that's just as important socially as it is spiritually. The encouragement that one's, one receives from being around other Christians can be immeasurable. There is such value in our sharing our time together. Solo Christianity can be dangerous because it leads to inactivity, unhappiness, spiritual stagnation, and even worse, where they completely separate from the Lord. Sometimes it's quite difficult for Christians to even survive without the proper relationships that God has established and set in his word for us. Some of you may remember the old story about the, the, the hot burning fire with the coals. And some of you may know the name Lawrence Dolan. He told me years and years and years ago. He passed away last year, 93, I believe. But he told me 40, 35, 40 years ago the story about the fire burning in the hearth. And he related it that a man was speaking to one of the elders about why do I need to be there with those people all the time. And he simply took the poker and pushed one piece of coal to the side. And they continued their conversation. And in just a little while, that glowing ember of coal, when it was next to the large body of coals, went out and got cold. He didn't say anything. He just continued his conversation with him. But in a little while, the man said, I see what you mean. And he began coming to church more regularly. The unusual consequences can be dangerous in solo because of that unhappiness and stagnation we have. The Christian togetherness is seen in such terms as fellowship. John and I have been meeting pretty regularly and talking pretty regularly about building the congregation here and some things we can do. And in that vein, we've decided yesterday that we're going to have a church picnic in a couple weeks, actually in three weeks from yesterday, the 8th of September. I would ask you to plan to attend, to mark your calendars, and we're going to use this solely as a social event that we might bond, that we might fellowship, that we might enjoy our company together. And I'm trying to get my laptop, not laptop, my iPad to let me finish. I'm not a real big computer person, but I'm trying to finish the reservation for Quiet Waters Park right here in Annapolis. It'll hold 100 people. They have a pavilion, they have grills, they have uh, comfort facilities right close by. It's a nice place. I would invite you to be there and plan to be there for this purpose, that we might fellowship together in love, in spirit, and in truth. And I encourage you to invite your families, your extended families. And I would particularly ask those of you that have been members of this congregation for a time to reach out to those who aren't here 
both the ones that are currently active members that aren't here so often, and to those who have, in recent year or two, separated themselves from the congregation to try to build them and lift them and, and bring them back. I think we could utilize this as a very, very fine time for the church here and implore you to be there. So please plan that in your schedule for September the 8th from 12 to 5, and we'll have more information coming out on that very shortly. We'll have some flyers and we'll put it on the, on the website, etc. Fellowship. We've all studied fellowship. We know what it is. In Acts 42, 2 and 42, and, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Christians are fellows. You hear in education, he is a fellow. He is a fellow of this education, of this university. In Ephesians 2.19 we read, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, as Luke had read, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. Fellow citizens. Ephesians 3.6 says, uh, we're referred to as fellow heirs. And the Gentiles were included in this. So it isn't just to our own little group, it's to them too. We're recognized as fellow workers. In Colossians, the fourth chapter, verses 11 and 12, and Jesus, which is called justice, who are the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and be complete in all the will of God. We're called fellow servants in Colossians 1, the 7th chapter, where uh, Epaphras was introduced as a fellow servant. We're fellow soldiers. Philippians, the 2nd chapter and 25, when Paul sent Epaphroditus to minister unto Philippi, he was called a fellow soldier. In Galatians, the 2nd chapter and verse 9, Christians extended their right hand of fellowship, and that carries through to this day. When we come in the door, we shake one another with our right hand. That's a sign of fellowship. And in different areas, it's placing of hands on shoulders, and sometimes it's hugs, and sometimes it's a holy kiss. And we do this so that we show our brotherhood and our love for the brotherhood, as described in 1 Peter, the second chapter, in verse 17, where it says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. When we ask, well, who's my brother? In Mark, the third chapter, verse 31 through 35, Verse 35 says, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother, spoken by Jesus himself. We need to have a, fa a, a family consciousness about other Christians. They are our brethren. Let us look to one another to see what our needs are, how we can help one another, how we can lift one another here at this place. We do that by membership. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. This isn't just a happenstance group of people or body of people. We are a body of people that the God of heaven himself has established and set forth this way. And in verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The church is Christ's body. Ephesians, the first chapter. 22 and 23. 
He says, far above all principality and power and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And that's a pretty strong beginning of that. Above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named. And has not put all these things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness in him that filleth all in all. And we have this, our song, he is our all in all. Bodies and members are functionally interdependent. We look at each other and we are interdependent on one another. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 15 and 16, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the, the whole body fitly joined together. Fitly joined together. Some in here are, are mechanically minded. I'm a little. And when we see a carpenter work or a mechanic work, are you ladies, when you are making things, whether you're sewing or whether you're cooking or whatever it is you do, Things come fitly together, meaning when I cut this piece of wood and I cut that piece of wood and I bring the two of them together because I want to make something, sometimes they fit and sometimes they go, huh? How did that happen? God set our family fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. He makes our bodies and references the church body, that every part, no matter how great or how small, how important or how insignificant it is, has an interactive part in the working of that body. Sometimes we realize it, sometimes we don't. But most of us here are old enough to know that when you hurt, gosh, I've got a splinter in the end of my finger and it hurts so bad and you take the splinter out, you don't realize that that finger wasn't that important yesterday, but now everything I touch, I seem to hit that thing. And you touch it. And it burns. You gosh, I didn't realize that I used that finger so much. And I think that's how we work interactively together. Christians are members one of another. And we're all jointly fit that we work together. And we have responsibilities in that. The hand has a responsibility to bring the food to the mouth. The foot and leg has a responsibility to carry us around to wherever our brain tells it to go. You see how they all start working together. We do the same in, in our church. We have people who have different skills, different abilities, different time availabilities, etc. We should have that attitude of care and concern for one another that whatever our skill is, whatever our ability is, whatever time we have, we should dedicate ourselves as available one to another. And we should do so with a, a humility or a lowliness of servitude and peacefully. I'm amazed at this congregation in the time we've been here, how peaceful it is here how much love abounds in this congregation, how kind we are to one another. And the Spirit is a wonderful, wonderful place to be when we sit here each time we get together. As was written in Philippians, I have that appreciation. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Because every time we've been here since we've been coming here, it's been peaceful, it's been loving, it's been kind. And it's such a wonderful wonderful place to be and I keep you in my prayers brethren I have an appreciation for you in that regard an appreciation for, for those that do the work here 
for the last couple of years without elders, we've had a, a group of men and women who have been supporting this congregation and carrying on for the last couple of years, diligently serving week after week after week. And we cannot express enough appreciation to those people. And now we have elders. But that doesn't stop everything else. We all need to continue to keep working. We're planning to soon have deacons and hopefully soon have a new preacher. Not immediately, but it's in the planning for the future. And I believe that this congregation is going to thrive. I believe our numbers are going to come back, and that's one of the reasons that we set up our social event for October the 8th. Let's call our friends that we know that aren't coming. Let's bring them back. Let's build our numbers back up again. And we're going to go a long, long ways. If we do those things in a gentle and meek way, forgiving in spirit and showing our love for one another, that will carry this congregation till the end of time when it is written of this church. You are a loving church. You are a strong church. You are a working church. And that will be the Lord's memory of us in that day. How do we do that? We have some visitors. We have some that have been here for some time. Jess and Kelly Ruth last week placed membership. I encourage you again to get to know them, introduce yourself to them, make them feel welcome. If you've been visiting with us a while and you're a member of the Lord's Church, we would appreciate if you would identify with us. I believe that's important. It was established in, you know, I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and there's always that question of, how do I identify, is it necessary for me to place membership at a congregation? How do you go about doing that, or is it not necessary? And I've felt both ways at different times. But I realized in Acts 9.26, Paul went to join himself to the church Right after he was on the road to Damascus and was blinded, he went to join himself to that body. And if you recall, they were scared to death of him. They didn't want any part of him. But Barnabas went on his behalf and spoke to the brethren and said, No, these are the things that I saw. These are the things that I know he did. And this is the report of the people we have. But Paul went there to join himself to that group. So if you've been visiting with us and our member of the church, please, we'd love to make that known that you, you would work with us. Some of the members at large are missing, and that's an important aspect of the work here. One place is a membership at a congregation, whether it's through your initial baptism and you're part of that work, or if you identify yourself with that work, in being an actual and a functioning member, not just a mere appendage to the body. That little pinky finger that I don't use very often, is very important. It's just, not just an appendage. It has a purpose. My little baby toe doesn't have much purpose to me. I don't use it for anything except to stay on my feet, to keep my balance, to keep from falling over. The smallest of things, you don't know the value of it until you identify it and look to see what we're, what we're working with. And I would ask you to pray for other Christians, especially for our congregation. I would ask you to work together with the new eldership. It's very important that we all work together follow that leadership. Be in communication. I would ask that you would attend and participate in all the assemblies of the congregation. I ask you personally on my own behalf as, and as an elder, please make every attempt to come back and be with us Sunday evenings, Wednesday evenings. It's vital. We're, our numbers are increasing on Sunday. The singing is good. The lessons are good. It's an encouragement to be there. The more people we have, the more encouraging it is. And I would ask that you attend 
and tried to plan to attend. There's also the factor of the contributions. Evaluate your, your finances. See how you might be able to help the work here. In your contributions, keep that in mind that we have things that we need to do to the building. We'd like to hire a preacher. And the more funds we have, the, the better equipped we are to do that. Most importantly, I ask you to engage personally and directly in the threefold work of the congregation. Evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Let us edify one another. Let us be loving to one another and give as we have need. And that will help us to maintain the unity in the congregation that is here. We extend ourselves to courtesy and hospitality. And I believe, Mary and I were talking the other day about when we were young Christians, we used to be in and out of people's homes all the time. My favorite moments and memories in my Christianity is when I was sitting in somebody's home or somebody was sitting in our home sharing a meal and sharing that fellowship, which is a different fellowship. We fellowship here together and we fellowship around the Lord's table. But the interpersonal fellowship that we share when we're in one another's homes cannot be matched by much of anything else except for being around the Lord's table or being with the brethren. We learn so much and we bond so much in those times that I would encourage you to see if that's something that you could do and something that I will try to do. I would ask you to find an individual role and fill it. I began the lesson with, we all have different talents, some small, some large. I think it's important for the church because your efforts help the church. Whether it's cutting the grass or filling the pulpit or leading the singing or speaking out in Bible class, these are all the things that we do to lift one another. Find out what kind of a role you can fill in our congregation and let us all begin working together for the benefit for the building and the uplifting of this congregation. I think it's crucial, this, inv this involvement that we, we share has benefits. It's not just work, we benefit from it. When I go out and polish my car, it's not work, that's fun. I love, I'm, I'm a car guy, I love going up there and putzing with my car. But it's still work, but I don't view it as work. But I get the results of a shiny car and feel good when I'm behind the wheel. If we all work together here, we see the benefits of the love that we have and, and, and our congregation being so much stronger. We find friendship. We find strength. We find admonition. We find instruction. We receive prayers and we offer prayers. And I'll say again and again, you'll hear this over and over from me, I cannot stress the importance of prayer. I've seen the power of prayer answered even recently. We give each other comfort in sorrow. You know, when, when we lose somebody, it, it's immediate, but we also have to remember to keep comforting people for a time to let that heal. When you're in need of prayer, when you're in need of comfort, think about the guy who was so, so thirsty when he treated Lazarus the way he did. He said, just a drop of water on my tongue. One little drop, you never know how effectual one small deed, one small kind word can
can be to somebody. We offer each other assistance in difficulty. But all the work that we do brings joy to our congregational assemblies. Because we know that when we come together as a body, there is love and joy and peace. Paul said in Thessalonians second chapter, verses 19 and 20, for what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Or not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. That's how Paul viewed the congregation, and I view it very similarly. I would like to encourage each of you to determine to be here as often as possible, to serve one another the best we can on a daily basis, to commit to the cause of Christ here at Annapolis, and to help strengthen his congregation while we all work together to serve God. John and I are putting together ideas for further development of the congregation to help it to grow and to become stronger. Will you commit yourself to the work here? Will you assist us in whatever we can do together? The church will benefit tremendously if we all combine our efforts. Perhaps you're a Christian who's been visiting for a time. We'd like to see you be with us. Let me encourage you. As a member, we hope that you would recommit yourself to the work here. And perhaps you're not a Christian. Perhaps you know what it is that the Lord calls you to do, as Paul did on the road to Damascus, when Jesus himself said, it will be told of you what you must do to be saved. And of course he did. He went into town and three days later he was baptized. Perhaps you know what it is that the Lord would have you to do. You've studied that far and you know, but you haven't done so yet. Or perhaps you are a Christian and should rededicate yourself to him or be encouraged or be prayed for for a particular reason. If you are subject to the call of the gospel today, I would ask that you would come forward at this time while we stand and sing and we'll, we will meet those needs. Thank you.